human knee. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime and me. Hello. Hello. And welcome. And welcome. <laughs> to this week's episode of Crime and E. We're your hosts, Matt and Ange. And this week we have two stories for you. Dose. Read them. Read them and dose. weep. Well, don't re- you won't be able to read them because we're, we're not going to write them, the thing. We will read them. Yeah. It'll be like story time. Everyone sit down on your mats, crisscross applesauce. Listen and weep. Read them and weep. Read them and weep. Listen and weep. Listen and cry. Yeah. Or weep. Either way. I don't know. That's up to you. I think weeping sounds more wet. Yeah. Weeping is like hardcore crying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like jacked up on mate right now. And no sleep and um, mental breakdowns. So let's. So what you're (laughs) about to read is gibberish. Basically, yes, and my story is also based in another country, so the names are going to be... This is going to be fun. Yeah, Uh, but you go first. I go first. Although you were the only one who did one last time, so I could go first. I know, I know. I just do all the work. It's fine. Don't (laughs) worry about it. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to go? I could go first. No, no. I'll go first. How? Okay, on a level of one to like fucked up, how fucked up is yours? Mm, it's pretty fucked up. Okay, go first. Well, mine's fucked up too, <laughs> but go first. <laughs> okay, I got my information from Wikipedia, uh, smh.com.au, and... Oh, Australian? Oh, yes, you knew what AU was. Yeah, I'm international. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. My story takes place on a little island that you just called out called australia a <laughs> little yes okay i guess it's a big <laughs> continent and not a little it's island fucking but... huge. <laughs> we're going down under <laughs> down under rescuer into... style oh yeah Joanna. the story is kind of like rescuers <gasps> outback style with like more murder and less mice in clothes oh some mice in mm. clothes. I mean, saying less mice in <laughs> yeah. clothes implies there is the one mouse in clothing, a singular from, mouse from the rescue aid society. <laughs> I love it. Who ends up getting run over by a car. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face from pure joy to disappointment was totally worth that. Because comment. I was thinking about like that scene when they're in the rescue aid society and like yeah. all the little things. You know, like yeah. the human things that are like mouse Well, the little sized. society, it's a, they're in a suitcase. Right. So it's like, yeah. I was like picturing all the like cutest, most adorable things ever. And then a car running and over. And then, yeah. yeah. Yep. Adorable. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how the story goes, pretty much. Oh. All right. So we're going to Sydney, North Shore neighborhood. That was close, over, but not it quite. It was close. Okay, you didn't commit. We're going down under to Sydney, North Shore North Shore. How do you? Okay, whatever. I'm gonna. Is Australian the one where they talk in the front of their mouths? Okay, well, 
let's do you just... remember that someone said like <laughs> i don't know who it was in australia or someone was like oh the difference is like we talk in the front of our mouths and like the u.s talks like in the back of their mm, mouth i think the u.s talks in in the nose. nose that's right we, we talk, talk in the nose, nose. <laughs> the british in the back uh australian british in the, in the back australia in the front <laughs> i don't know American about the, in the scottish nose. i don't understand United... a word they're saying that is yeah a lot of in the throat i think a lot of back back in the the throat i was watching something recently i don't remember what but i think they had like southern accents i believe and like someone commented and they were like oh i'm like not from the u.s um i'm from like england or something somewhere where they speak english but it's like different they're like can someone translate i can't understand like what they're saying (laughs) it's hard except the one thing is that they do talk a lot slower so it's it's easier yeah i mean but still a challenge very challenging accents are hard accents are really hard (laughs) that's why i watch subtitles on everything yeah me I wish too. that subtitles could just pop up in real life. Oh my god! I I <laughs> some of those like Google Glasses or whatever. When I watch a be. lot of like Netflix or whatever, and I'm reading subtitles all day, and then yeah, in real life, I'm like looking for the subtitles. Like, like I don't know subtitles? what you're saying. <laughs> subtitles, please. If I please. can't read it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyway, okay, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, so this takes place in a neighborhood in Sydney. Over a period of 14 months from 1989 to 1990. Uh Uh-oh. That doesn't sound good. Mm, What doesn't sound... What sounds even worse is that during this time, little old ladies were winding up dead. Shit. What was going on in this little suburb that nothing happens in? Hmm. Clearly something's happening. Uh The attacks seemingly started with Margaret Todd Hunter... Which, what is a Todd and how do you hunt it? <laughs> but poor Margaret Todd Hunter on Maybe January. Maybe she's just into people named Todd. Ooh. Whoa, that was Never? like deep vibration. <laughs> I was thinking, I don't think I've ever actually met a person named Todd. I don't believe I've ever met a Todd either. Is that short for something? Toddly. Toddson. Todd Burt. Rod Todd. Then it'd be Rod or Todd. Rod Todd. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was trying to think of one that had like Todd at the end. Mm. Anyway, Mm. (laughs) January 11th, 1989, the 84-year-old is walking down Hale Road uh, towards her house when out of nowhere she was punched in the face. (gasps) And the contents of her purse were stolen, included, including $209. I just thought, like, don't you think it's kind of, so people are, like, living longer these days. And, like, back in the day, like, a 60-whatever-year-old was considered, like, an elderly person or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you think it's, like, funny when people are still referred to, like, elderly when they're... In their 60s. Like, in their 60s. Or, like, when <laughs> people in their 60s are referring to, like, other people in their 60s, sometimes they're like, oh, Elder this, like, this old senior. woman. Yeah. And like, what? Not anymore. That's, like, middle age. <laughs> Let's yeah. get to 120. Sorry. Woo. Go ahead. Mm. This is tragic, and I'm yeah. trying wow. to distract from it. Okay. Well, Look, I can't handle you much. Know what? <laughs> this is the one time in the story you're going to be lucky because Margaret survived this attack. Wow. If you make it, it to that old, like, people should just leave you the fuck alone, you know? You would think. You would hope. 
Respect your elders. Please. Unless they're douchebags, then fuck them. But anyway. Well, maybe try and share some knowledge. (laughs) It's not going to go well, but. Mm, I don't know. Uh, so the police investigated, but came to the conclusion that it was probably just a mugging and the likelihood of them finding the perpetrator wasn't good because there wasn't really any evidence and she couldn't describe him and the person like a like hit and run. took her, her purse. purse. Okay. Yeah. She's like, Oh, nothing to worry about. It was just your regular old robbing. Just a, uh, a pocketbook. I think they kept calling it a pocketbook or a, a handbag or something. I put purse. <laughs> Translated to purse. Yeah. Uh, Australians say pocketbook or handbook, but we know it means purse. Wait so. a minute. That's quite the <laughs> stretch. What was I going to say? Whoa. Whoa. What's it called when you're taking too much liberty with a translation? Ooh. Taking too much liberty? Yeah. Never mind. I'm like Kay. space cadet. <laughs> All right. Well, on March 1st, 1989, 82-year-old Gwendolyn Mitchell-Hill was walking down the street to her house as she got to the foyer of her Military Road apartment building and reached for the doorknob. She was struck in the back of her head with a hammer. Is Military Road the name of the road? Yes. It's not like a thing. Okay. Oh. Yeah. She was beaten in the head and on her body with a hammer and several of her ribs were broken and her head was kind of, you know, bashed in. And her purse was stolen, which contained $100. Oh, my God. Gwendolyn was still alive, just barely, when two schoolboys on their way home from school saw her and called an ambulance but shortly after the police and ambulance arrived, Gwendolyn died. The police had no witnesses or leads or any kind of concrete evidence um, linking the attack to the previous attack on Margaret Todd Hunter, so they didn't link them. And no forensic evidence was available either because somehow some well-intentioned neighbors thought that maybe she fell and they were going to help by washing the crime scene. Like the sidewalk? Yeah, they just washed everything up. How is that helping her? I don't know. They were like, oh, she fell. And she like, you know, there's blood on the sidewalk, so we should probably clean that right up. Uh, Also, though, chances are there wouldn't be really anything left behind if the hammer was like not left behind, right? Yeah, but like even footprints or any kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, any kind of evidence there was just nothing. Mm-hmm. They just cleaned it right up. Well, I mean. But just so clean. They were just thinking, you know, she'd really appreciate a clean sidewalk. Yeah. So the police assumed that it was just another mugging gone wrong. And they had a forensic psychiatrist put together a profile of the killer. Of this particular case? Or yes. did they link the two? They didn't link the two, okay. but they were like. Who would do something like this? Let's look at what, yeah, because we don't really have much evidence since our helpful neighbors washed it all away. Yeah. (laughs) Well. They didn't know. I mean, you know. Hmm. The report suggested the killer came from a comfortably off family, was not a drug (laughs) addict. I thought... I thought you were like comfortably off, you know, when people are described as off. Just a little off, but just comfortably. They're like your typical off. Just enough. (laughs) 
Just like comfortable enough to not be like outrageous. See, this is one of those translations when you could have said, you know, okay. like well, well off or they this was a copy and paste, so that was my right, bad. right. Yes. Middle class, you know. He wasn't hurting off. for money. Yeah. He w- probably wasn't a drug addict because they said that the violence was far greater than necessary for a robbery. So it probably yeah. wasn't like, you know, just for the money. Yeah. And they said that it was not an obvious bully, but could be regarded as odd by other males. Okay. Yeah. They said that he But would... not females? Mm-mm. Apparently not. Only dudes are ca- like picking up on this? Well, you know... i feel like i feel like female bodied people are pretty perceptive to when people are a little comfortably off shall we say yes we shall (laughs) and i would agree with you (laughs) but this is just what they came up with all right all right they said that he probably would have acquaintances and not friends Mm -hmm. that he would appear superficially cool and collected Mm. And might show physical signs of anxiety in the form of sweating when being interviewed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh. that the time of the attacks, which was the time of the attack, which was mid-afternoon, um, so the risk taken and the impulsiveness demonstration demonstrated that it was probably someone that was relatively young. Mm-hmm. So students at the local high school were questioned. Wow, very young. And any reports of students whose personality and habits had changed lately were followed up. Okay. <laughs> Can you imagine a high school student whose personality hasn't yeah, changed? Hasn't changed exactly. I'm pretty sure that's that's a good thing. Uh yeah, I'm pretty sure you're working with extremes when you're in high school. <laughs> so I don't know, but Yes. That was just so... my experience. I, I guess I shouldn't speak for everyone, but <laughs> So that was the profile that they threw together, and they were like, totally, this is what it is. Okay. Me- I in the think meanwhile, that, that just yep. shows that profiling is like an art form. It, it is. It's, and, uh, not, yeah. it's like very subject to interpretation. What am I trying to say? Yeah. And well, when they're going off of like just one incident kind of. Yeah. I feel like that so, was interesting to pull a profile from. Yeah. Yeah. Not a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. On May 9th, 1989. This person just has it out for high school students. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fuck that high school student. They egged my car. Uh, In 19... It's okay. The blah, blah. May 9th, 1989. 84-year-old Lady Winifreda Isabel Ashton, who was the widow of English-Australian impressionist artist Sir John William Ashton. Okay. Her first name is not Lady... No. Okay. She is. Lady I'm having all her, kinds of like <laughs> misinformation. Like, she's not. It's not like Lady right. and the Tramp. They weren't eating spaghetti. Right, right. It was a title. They could have been eating spaghetti. Okay, they probably ate spaghetti, but Sir John William Ashton right. had passed away earlier. Okay. So she it was just. It was just Lady Winifreda, and she was walking home along Raglan Street. And she used a walking stick mm. to help stabilize her. And I, I, they say walking stick a bunch, and I'm, I think it's a cane. Unless she's like a badass who's she got like a, a really cool walking stick. A bedazzled walking stick. Yeah, I feel stick. like I would prefer a walking stick because it's more like, you know, I don't need Wizardly. it, but it helps. 
I don't know. I feel like a cane would be more stabilizing because you could like lean on it. I don't really understand like how canes work. Oh, if that makes sure. sense. <laughs> like I understand. Well. I don't know. I feel like with a walking stick, like you can stabilize, but canes are like short. Yeah, but you like have your hand on it so you can put your you can like lean into it whereas like a walking stick you have to hold so you it. So like lean onto it. On, yeah, and that's just like not okay. as stabilizing for someone that okay. actually needs it for stability instead of like helping them across a creek or whatever. Okay, okay. Um so she's walking, walking stick, da da da. She made it to her apartment building, same thing, she reached for her doorknob and she too was Attacked and brutally beaten with a hammer. God. And then she was dragged to a oh rubbish, a rubbish bin alcove, which excuse me is you know in like in a like dumpster apartment. alley. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, you know, like in apartment complexes where they have like the little like cement little area where the dumpsters go. Yeah, an alcove. Yeah. Yes, a rubbish bin alcove. Dumpster if you will. alcove. Mm-hmm. So she was dragged to the, to the rubbish bin alcove okay. where her attacker repeatedly hit her head in the pavement. Oh, my God. And after she was knocked unconscious, her attacker took off her pantyhose mm. and strangled her with them. So this is escalating very quickly. Yes. Also, you will hear the word pantyhose many times. Well, yeah. I mean, it is the 90s, so... Can't go and out it, with bare legs. Ew, you gotta have the hose. Cover up with some ugh. see-through. <laughs> Cover it <laughs> <Plastic>. up. Plastic. <laughs> In the hot Australian summer. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So the okay, so he strangled her. Oh, and also the, they're like you know, yeah. older ladies. Yeah, you gotta have your pantyhose. Cause didn't grandma always wear pantyhose? You got to. You yeah. can't show your That's bare right. legs. You cannot. What are you trying to do? Oh, can you imagine the sweating? That's happening. <coughs> Just gets collected in the pantyhose. Just free your ankles at least. <laughs> free the ankles. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have an ankle breeze, or you're just gonna pass out. You from gotta heat. have that ankle breeze. <laughs> mm, mm. If there's one thing you gotta have in life ankle breeze yeah i think we all know that now hence yeah. getting rid of pantyhose oh man i wore pantyhose up until yesterday when i was writing this and i realized i gotta have ankle breeze i'm glad that you learned <laughs> it's never too late to learn yes thank you so the attacker then took her walking stick and her shoes and lined them up at her feet oh shit he then took her purse containing a hundred dollars these women just carrying a lot of money in their purse because that was a hundred dollars in like 1989 so it's you know quite a bit of money yeah is do you think that's like yeah that's so weird like are they just having like a bunch of 20s like five 20s know. in their purses like that's so strange i don't know i don't know the police found lady ashton lying face down with a large pool of blood around her head so at this point, he's not only murdering them, but he's also staging the scene. He, yeah. God, mm -hmm. it's like so fast. The pantyhose were wrapped so tightly around her neck uh -uh. that they were cutting uh -uh. into her skin. And they, the police made note that her purse was taken, but that she had a diamond ring on her finger and it was still there. 
So they were like, is it Robert? Like, what? what's the motive? Because he's stealing the money, but not the ring. Well, the ring was obviously worth more, but like. But he's not just taking the money. He's taking the pocketbook. He is, but I mean, most likely just for the money. So maybe like he doesn't want to go pawn the ring. Like he just wants cash. Cash money. Yeah. But they're, you know, they're not sure. Mm-hmm. So the police decided that they were most likely dealing with a serial killer at this point because they kind of linked all three victims um, since they were all elderly women from the same suburb and they were all assaulted or killed in the same manner before being robbed of their purses. Mm. On June 6th of 89, 77-year-old Marjorie Mosley was at the Wesley Gardens Retirement Home in Belrose when she reported to staff that a man had come into her room. So this is like a retirement home, like a, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people living there, staff and everything. A man came into her room and put his hand under her nightgown. <gasps> Unfortunately, she couldn't remember what he looked like. The fuck? So they just like made note of that, but they couldn't really do anything cause she couldn't really describe what he looked like or much of anything other than she was assaulted. They couldn't, like, check on cameras or... I don't know if they had cameras in 89. Ask other people if they saw someone come in. She might have been in a private room. <sighs> and with a with a home like that, people are coming and going all the time, right? Like, visitors and people that work there and, you know. Yeah. Um, on June 24th of 89, at the Caroline Chisholm Nursing Home, an elderly patient reported that a man lifted her dress and fondled her buttocks. What the hell? And, and in a neighboring room, another patient cried out for help after a man put his hand down the front of her nightgown and fondled her breasts. The fuck? A man was stopped and questioned about the incidents, but the staff let him leave. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> you just sexually assaulted two women and thank you, goodbye. Must have been a smooth talker. Just checking in. On August 8th, Effie Carney, another elderly woman, was assaulted in a back street of Linfield. On how, October. How yeah. close are these? Uh, so. Um, let me start. So the first attack that we know of was in January and then then March and then May and June and June and August and then October 6th, a man pretending to be a doctor assaulted Phyllis McNeil, who was a blind patient oh, at the Wybenia Wy- nursing home. She called out for help, but the attacker left before anyone could see him. What the fuck? Like, it's not, I mean, I just feel like if they can call out for help, it seems like he's going into, like, a singular door and, like, going into their rooms. Yeah. On October 18th, 86-year-old Doris Cox was walking back to her retirement village. She went into a secluded stairwell to go up to her apartment oh, God. when she was attacked by a man. That should the not man- be a thing yeah. in retirement homes or anywhere, really, but especially no, like yeah. retirement homes. The man rammed her face into a brick mm. wall, 
causing her to fall. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, I Okay. Um, Translation I issues? That doesn't make sense yet. <laughs> uh, but basically, he rammed her face into the brick wall, and she fell, and he took her money, and he didn't attack her anymore. Um, and so she survived the attack. Oh, my God. But she couldn't really remember what he looked like or right. exactly what happened because, unfortunately, she was suffering from dementia. Oh, God. But according to her, she thought the attacker was a young man, possibly a teenager or a skateboarder. Oh, uh-oh. Those menaces. <laughs> those skateboarders. And what? She, assist- she assisted the police in coming up with a sketch of the attacker, even though she couldn't remember what he looked like. And she has dementia, dementia so she could be like confusing... Yeah. Different and events. And she just got her or... head bashed into a wall. Yeah, traumatic brain injury. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. and Well, and if you're once... going up the stairs, I feel like he'd come up from behind you probably. Yeah, and bash probably. Your... Okay. But once again, there was no evidence left at the scene because some helpful neighbors cleaned up the scene Shut before up. the police could get there. Okay. I mm-hmm. thought Canadians were the only helpful ones, but apparently <laughs> Australians are very helpful too. Helpful and clean. Very clean. <laughs> very clean. I'll have to pay attention next time mm-hmm. I'm in Sydney, how clean that city is. Yeah. You just watch. You do something and someone's right behind you cleaning up it's after It's like a you. horrible accident happened here. A horrible crime happened here. Clean. Now I'm just thinking about in the Disney version of Alice in Wonderland, where she's like walking through the forest or whatever, and that one little oh, the, the little, little like, duster broom duster thing? Yeah, yeah it follows her and cleans up after yeah, that's she walks. So cute. <laughs> I guess that's Australia, huh? That's Australia, yeah. <laughs> it's set in Australia, even though it's you know England. The police go and interview the broom. <laughs> yes. What exactly did you sweep up here, sir? <laughs> I was just doing my job. <laughs> All right, let's get out of Disneyland. Okay. On November 2nd, 1989, 78-year-old Dorothy Binke Binke, was walking home down a quiet street in Lane Cove when a strange man offered to help carry her groceries home for her. Is he, like, watching them to know that they're on their way home? Like, how are they all on their way home? This whole village is just full of little old ladies walking on their way home. They, the, uh, Dorothy and the man engaged in conversation as he helped her to her home. She invited him in for a cup of tea, but he declined and was on his way. Oh. As he walked back down the road, he noticed another old woman walking away from him. This was 85-year-old Margaret Pahud, who was also on her way back home from grocery shopping. (laughs) I mean, maybe Mar- if he's, like, <laughs> hanging out by residential facilities or in yeah. residential neighborhoods, then... Yeah, you're going to see a lot gonna of He's going to catch people some people around. coming home. Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret was hit in the back of the head with a blunt instrument, and when she collapsed, her attacker struck her again in the side of her head. The attacker rearranged her shoes and walking stick like he had done to Lady Ashton previously. He also took her purse and $300 and left. Oh, my God. So Nobody nothing saw... happened to Dorothy. Uh-huh. She just knows got, who this she guy is. She just got is. carried home. Just got her groceries. She got home. carried. He's like, she may I carry like, you home? Ma'am, you look tired. 
Here, just jump on my back. I'll take the groceries in my hands. We got this. Just piggybacked Granny home. <laughs> um, but once again, nobody saw the attack take place. And uh, shortly after, though, a young schoolgirl found her body. Originally, she thought that it was a pile of clothes left on the side of the road, but it was not. Mm. And once again, as they do in old Australia, helpful neighbors cleaned up the scene, so there was no evidence to find. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> what? <laughs> Who are these neighbors? I the cleanest people in the world. They just like see a crime scene and take it upon themselves to just like clean it up quickly. It seemed like everyone just thought that these old women just like collapsed and they were like, oh my, we should clean this up so that no one has to They're see like, this, this horrible sight. This happens all the time. These like, being, uh, old women uh, fall and there's blood just, everywhere. Yeah, it's been happening like once or twice a month, just dropping like flies. We've got to clean it up. So they dubbed the serial killer the Granny Killer. So creative. Very creative. Very on the nose. Very on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Within 24 hours of Margaret's murder, on November 3rd, 81-year-old Olive Cleveland was sitting on a bench outside the Wesley Gardens Retirement Village when a man approached her and struck up a conversation. Are she, these retirement homes not sending out, like, a flyer or, like, a memo or, like, a... Well, the only memo is, like, hey, guys, there seems to be a lot of people dropping dead. If we could just scrub that up real quick so no one has to see, that would be great. Well, so, yeah, that one's clearly going around. Why isn't there one where it's, like, don't talk to anyone if you don't know them? And Stay inside. buddy system, like, yeah. if you see something, call the police, you know. Mm-hmm. Nope. I don't, I don't know. Apparently not. They're just like, uh, yeah, we'll let them, like, risk it. It's fine. It's fine. They've <laughs> lived long lives. Uh, she obviously became uncomfortable and tried to leave the situation. Yes. But as she got up to leave, the man grabbed her from behind and forced her down a ramp to a secluded side lane where he hit her and repeatedly hit her in the head. Or He hit her and then repeatedly hit her head into the concrete before removing her pantyhose and tying them tightly around her neck. Once again, the attacker rearranged her shoes and walking stick and then left taking her purse and $60 inside. And, just like clockwork, those neighbors waiting to clean because they just love cleaning, they came out and washed the crime scene clean. This guy is like... He's so like, lucky. Oh my god, this is so amazing. <laughs> These neighbors are like unbelievable. So helpful. What? The and once fuck? again, there were no eyewitnesses. A spick and span how crime are, okay, scene. How are? <laughs> what is happening? Like they're calling <laughs> the police. Like the ambulance is coming, picking the person up, and before the police can get there and like rope off the area, the neighbors are like, "Hold on, hold on." Let's yeah. just well, like I don't, wash because like this I shit said, down. I think they they, in, from what I've read, it seemed like they literally think like, oh, this lady fell and hit her head, and her pantyhose and, somehow wound up around her <laughs> well, neck. I don't know how closely they're looking. I mean, maybe it's the latest fashion, and she like fell out of her and shoes hitting. in a very organized no, I, manner. I, I like mean, what? It seems like, you know, little old ladies are taking their shoes off putting their walking stick next to them, taking their pantyhose off, 
making themselves a little tie and then falling and hitting their heads. I yeah, I I'm so confused as to what is happening. <laughs> well, at this point, the state government offered a two hundred thousand dollar reward for information leading to the arrest of the perpetrator because they were like, after what how many the women fuck? have been murdered? Yeah. A lot. <sighs> This feels like a misstep. <laughs> well, if these people would stop fucking cleaning the crime scenes. And if they sent out like, hey, hey women are getting murdered. Out. Maybe inform your residents, inform uh-huh. your staff. Let's like keep each other safe. Let's send out let's other people the- for groceries. Like let's keep them home let's, for yeah, now. Inform the neighborhood cleaning crew. To not maybe clean, maybe clean take those. the okay. month off. Take it off, yeah. Clean enough. <sighs> Good enough. Um, on November 23rd, 93-year-old, partially deaf and blind, Muriel Falconer. Muriel. Muriel. Was walking home with her groceries when she reached the exterior of her house on Muston Street. A man came up behind her and put his hand over her mouth to silence her. And then he proceeded to beat her about the head and neck with a hammer. What a fucking shitty person. Yes. When she fell to the ground, he began to remove her pantyhose. As was as he was doing this, she regained consciousness and cried <gasps> for help. So he hit her more times with the hammer until she passed out. Oh, Muriel. He finished removing her pantyhose and strangled her with them. Oh, Muriel. He then rearranged her shoes and took her purse and uh he because she had like opened the door to her house he went inside and looked for valuables the fuck and i think he only got away with a hundred dollars her body was found inside her house after a concerned neighbor used a spare key to enter the house and clean it up well luckily this neighbor wasn't (laughs) like the rest and didn't immediately get their cleanup crew yeah he didn't immediately get his or her mop and Clorox wipes. He or she called the police, who arrived shortly after, and they were able to collect forensic evidence this time, okay. including bloody shoe prints. For the first time ever. Mm-hmm. So chances are this person has been leaving shoe prints all along. Probably. Fuck. Because after, like, the first six, it's like, well or I don't know how many, like, the first four, it was like, well, they haven't caught me yet. Okay, as the neighborhood cleaning crew chief, you go (laughs) to a scene, you see blood, and you see bloody footprints walking away. you got to clean it up. It's going to stain the cement. What the fuck? (laughs) Who are these neighbors? Mm, Well, this neighbor, or not that neighbor, this this one or that one, who knows? A neighbor. (laughs) A neighbor said that they saw a man leaving the scene. Wow. And they described him as a middle-aged, portly, gray-haired man. Oh, so much for your teenage skater type. Yeah, so they were looking in the wrong direction. Uh, I also uh, think, this- like, when you do a police sketch, like, I feel like after looking at the book of, like, so many eye shapes, I would get confused as to, yeah. like, what I actually even saw. I mean, you know, I was out and about in the day today, and I encountered many people. I could not describe a one of them to you. Right. And then especially if you're looking at, like, feature after feature mm-hmm. after feature, and then you're like, like I guess. now I'm confused. 
They all look like eyes. Just slap those ones yeah, on. Yeah, how are you going to like, go through a book? Um... Well, at this point, the police increased the reward to $250,000. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. That 50000 is really mm-hmm. going to... Come on, people. On January 11th, 1990, at Greenwich Hospital... A man entered the room of four elderly women, oh including God. eighty, <laughs> including eighty-two-year-old advanced ca- cancer patient Daisy Roberts. The man asked Daisy if she was losing body heat. He then pulled up her nightgown and touched her inappropriately. Excuse me. <laughs> Daisy panicked and called for help. Yes. A nurse rushed in and found the man in the room. When confronted, the man ran from the ward. Not but the nurse at all. <laughs> but the nurse was quick thinking and was able to follow the man and write down his car's registration number, which I'm assuming is a license plate number. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you'd see the registration number. Yeah, unless they're like boldly printed elsewhere. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm assuming it's a license plate as he drove off. What a badass. Yes. The nurse then immediately called the police and gave them this information. What, she didn't interview him and then let him go? Like, how many women was that ago? Like, for real? I know. The hospital staff was also able to identify and name the man as he had been a regular there. What? Doing his rounds as a pie salesman. What? Who often came by the hospital to sell pies. What? (laughs) What? What? Oh, my God. They named the perpetrator as John Wayne Glover. I thought you were going to give him another, like, the pie. They they named him the The pie pie granny diddler. (laughs) John Wayne, uh uh-oh. John Wayne Glover. John Wayne Gacy, John Wayne Glover. I know. Don't do a John Wayne ever, and then don't do a John Wayne, then G, last name. Just don't, just, no one, John Wayne, bad. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. All around, yeah. anyone, yeah. don't do it. Don't do it. It's not cute. And if you did it, change it. <laughs> change it. Get that shit changed. Go to court, like, change the name. it's never too late to change your name. You can do it. I mean, I don't know what the rules are in Australia. I'm assuming you could change your name. I don't know. I think it's harder in other places. For real? Here, you can just, yeah. It's like, oh, your parents gave you this name, now you have to keep it forever? Yeah, well, I don't know about, like, surnames and stuff, but... I think that's a little bit harder to change in some countries. But here in the grand old United States, at least in California, you can just pick a name out of the blue as long as you don't have any felonies you're trying to run from. That's so cool. So cool. We should all just like change our names constantly. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nightmare. No, I'm sure. Believe me. You don't even realize how many things are tied to your name until you change yes, your name. Yes, that's you're such like, a good point. God damn it. Yeah, that's such a good point. You're like, oh my God, Ugh. something else? Fuck. Yes. Yeah. It's a nightmare. I'm sure. Anyway, but at least we can do it. That's nice. We can do it. We can do Yay. it. Yay. So a week later, the police returned with a picture of John, which the nurses and Daisy positively identified. Wow. Although this was a breakthrough at the time, this assault was not linked to the murders that had been happening in town. Was it linked to the other sexual assaults? Well, I don't think it was linked. No. I don't know. 
the okay. point is I'm not that trying it was... to be judgy or anything, but okay. this all sounds like shoddy police work. Well, I mean, isn't a lot of it? Anyway, the because, okay, the problem was that even if they were linked to the assaults, they weren't linked to the murders, and the murders were being investigated by a different task force. Of course. Of so course. it took about by three weeks. By the Granny weeks. Killer Task Force. Yes. Not the Pie Man Task Force. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So these people are looking for the Pie Diddler, Shit. and these people are looking for the Granny Killers, and they were like, meh. And then like three weeks later, they were like, hey, by the way, there was this like Pie Man who came and like touched the grannies. Maybe he's related to you. I don't know if this sounds familiar <laughs> at all, but kind of coincidental, maybe. Mm. Yeah. And when they were finally notified, detectives called up John Wayne and asked for him to come to the police station to be interviewed the following day. It's like, ah, if you got like a free, hey, you free know, minute. Also, you know, bring, feel free to bring some pies. It's fine. We'll take some pies. Feel free to bring pies Please. down to the station. We'll put and, in our uh, orders and bring us. And if he pies. starts sweating profusely, we know it's him. <laughs> I'd be like, what, man? I was baking pies all fucking day. Oh, That's why I'm that sweaty. Kitchen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the oven's going. Like pies coming in and out. It's crazy. But I'm sure you can guess that the next day he didn't show he up. Did not show that up. That is shocking. <laughs> That's so fucking shocking. Why would he not show up with his pies? That's so weird. So the detectives called his house yeah. and they were like, ring, ring. And then his wife answered and they were like, um, hey, John Wayne is supposed to come down here to talk to us. And then she was like, oh, yeah. Oh, he's gone. See, well, John attempted suicide last night. Uh-huh. And okay. he's actually at the Royal North Shore Hospital recovering. Okay. Okay. So the police were they like, They didn't think that right. was going to have like a possibility that he was either going to run or. I think they were hoping for pie. Try and kill himself. No, now or... they got to go to the hospital. No pie. They just got to go. I just feel like they could have gone about this in a way better way <laughs> from the beginning. But that's just my opinion. You know, if your neighbors are cleaning the streets, you hope that your criminals are going to come to the station. <laughs> like everyone is an honest person there. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't. Shocking. So the police show up to the hospital, but John Wayne is like, uh, I don't feel like talking. Uh, but he yeah. But he did allow them to take a picture of him. Yeah. I mean, how are you gonna stop okay. that? <laughs> okay. A staff member at the hospital handed the they police. They also had a, note. a picture of him. Yeah. But I think that they were like, I don't know. Okay. I don't that's know. Fine. That's fine. He let them take a picture. Great. You know. Good for him. And then a staff member of the hospital handed the police a note, and it was a suicide note that John had written in the middle of a four and twenty pies business paper. A what? It's his the pie company he worked for was called Four and Twenty Pies. Okay, oh, like that uh, nursery mm-hmm. rhyme or whatever. Mm-hmm. But okay, at least someone didn't clean up the suicide note. <laughs> That's good. No, and the note. Included the words "No more grannies," and Essie started it. So Essie he's trying to w- eradicate the world of grannies. I guess. Okay. <laughs> Got to get rid of them. No good. The scourge of, of mm-hmm. mankind is grannies. All those hard candies and yeah, those you know, Worthers. I'm so sick Worthers of crinkling and those Worthers and goddamn pantyhose and. 
walking All the sticks. kindness and love. Those tissues shoved up sleeves and everything. Just disgusting. <laughs> well, Essie was the name of his mother-in-law. Uh-oh. Uh-uh. Oh, that's not good. And the suicide note and the photo of John Wayne were passed around the task force that now member that now numbered around seventy members. Okay, that's a pretty decent Kay. task force. Yeah, detectives believed that John was the guy they were looking for, although they did not have direct evidence linking him yet. Okay. The head of the the head of the task force said, "If he had said to us, I don't want to talk, we couldn't prove a thing." Still, a photo matched the descriptions of the gray-haired suspect, and in his job as a pie salesman, John could could have been at any of the murder scenes. Yes, also, you could have proved that he at least assaulted one woman. Yeah. But not the murder. I don't know. Okay. But they were like, but yeah, as a pie salesman, it's, he's a pretty common I mean, everyone loves pie, these, so... I mean, yeah. He's selling mm-hmm. his wares, he's a, obviously. He's a welcome man in these areas gotta get your pie all about the pies at this point john was only being interviewed over the nursing home assaults and not the murders as far as he knew okay and uh and then he was also put under constant police surveillance of course including an automatic tracking device which uh, i don't know gps i don't know what that is in the why is he not like in jail yeah well he was suspicious that he was being followed and would often drive around blocks multiple times and even drive the wrong way down one-way streets to make sure he wasn't followed. Okay. Okay. But then I feel like police could just like, woo, 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 you know, Good. they're going the wrong way. Yeah, hello. Now I know. I'm putting you but in I jail. guess they don't do that in Australia. Like we they're can't like, let it's on. Fine. Oh no. That we're following him. That we're following like a suspected murderer of a- Older women. You know what? We got streets to clean. We have cement to scrub. The fuck? How is he not in jail? Okay. (laughs) On March 19th, 1990, John killed his final victim. How is that allowed to happen? (laughs) Yes. 60-year-old Joan Sinclair. We really just can't prove anything, so we got to let him kill one more time so we we can. We got to see it done in front of us. The fuck? (laughs) Uh, he killed his final victim, 60-year-old Joan Sinclair, whom John had a platonic, it said platonic relationship with, but I think there might have been more, I don't know. Okay. Police had been surveilling John and watched as he went into her home around 10 a.m. By 1 p.m., there was no sign of either John or Joan. And there was no movement that could be seen in the house. I'm so glad that police witnessed this and did not <laughs> interfere. Well. What the fuck? Can't jump to any conclusions now. Oh, my God. The police waited. Excuse me. Because, you know, it could be those skateboarding hooligans. We're still holding it out for those teenagers. It still could be. We don't know. The police waited until about 5 p.m. And at that point, they got permission to enter the house to check it out. The fuck? <laughs> what the Do fuck? You, they don't they have permission? Like already, right, they're like surveilling this suspected murderer. Isn't that yeah, enough permission to go into someone's house? I don't know. I think you have to have probable cause to enter a house. That's not probable you can't just cause. Go busting in. Well, you don't know. Maybe they're having tea, silent tea for hours. 
Mm-hmm. I hate this. Okay. What the fuck? Well, I told you it was like Rescuers Down Under, but like the mice get murdered. It's not cute at all. It's not cute. <laughs> so two uniformed policemen knocked on the front door and got no answer. So they went around and looked through the back glass door and they saw a hammer lying in a pool of dried blood on a mat. Uh Oh, dried blood. The neighborhood didn't get to it yet. <laughs> well, it was in the house. Fuck. Those neighbors were knocking and knocking with mops. And like, we have <laughs> so got ready. to get in there. It is going to stain that mat. <laughs> oh, God. Upon entering the house, four detectives searched and found Joan laying on the floor oh, with God. her battered head wrapped in bloody towels. I just feel like if it was already dried, then they should have been in there a lot it, longer. Yeah, yeah. Ago. She was sooner. naked. She was naked from the waist down, and her pantyhose were tied around her neck. How uh, bad would you feel if you were one of those police officers who just sat outside while someone got murdered? Yeah, right. Yes, so bad, so guilty for the rest of your life. After finding her body, they searched the house for John, and they found him unconscious, unconscious in a filled bathtub he later told police that he and joan had been having an affair for some time he said he beat her with a hammer strangled her with her pantyhose wrapped towels around her head to stop the bleeding then dragged her body across the room he then ran himself a bath swallowed a handful of valium and washed it down with vat 69 which is a blended scotch whiskey classy Mm. he then slashed his left wrist and set sat back in the tub ready to die. You think that would have done it? You think, but no. Uh a bit of background information about John Wayne Glover. Uh-huh. As we first covered, nobody should name their kids John Wayne. Yes. It seems like it's setting you up to be a murderer or a terrible person in general. Yes, yes. So, knock it the fuck off. It's so weird how that happens with names. Mm-hmm. It's not a good one. Yeah. That's just weird. Yeah. How would you? I don't know. I don't know. So John was originally from a working class family in Wolverhampton, Excuse England. Excuse me. They weren't comfortably off? No, that was what they thought. Okay. They thought way wrong. They thought way wrong. Yeah. Comfortably off my ass. Working class from Wolverton, Wolverhampton, England. Okay. Born on November 26th, 1932. His parents split up when he was eight, and he was shuttled back and forth between them. Uh, He had siblings, too, so they were, like, going back and forth. It seemed like the marriage broke up because his mother had a myriad of affairs. Mm. She just loved the men. Uh, He... So... Because of that, and he was the oldest of his siblings, he was often in charge of his siblings when his mother would go out of town to pursue men. She would just, even when it was her turn to Fun. keep them, she would be like, okay, you got this? You, you're you know, good, John Wayne? I already made plans for this So week, this is awkward. So... I don't know. <laughs> you're good, though, right? You're good. <laughs> sometimes, though, she, sometimes she would take the kids with her and make them wait outside while she carried on with her dates. Wow. So this is like some motherly love. Uh-huh. Uh, he started off with uh, 
he left school around the age of 14 to start making money for the family. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Which led to a lot of petty crimes so that he could feed his siblings and. I mean, you're 14. That's like a great time to start a career, you know, what's he doing? Yeah. So he had petty crimes dating back to 1947, mostly for stealing clothes and purses. Shit. And as soon as he could, he enlisted in the British Army. But he was discharged from the army after his crimes were discovered. (laughs) Okay. I just feel like when things like that happen, it's like he was clearly stealing to support himself. He finally has siblings and siblings Mm -hmm. and he finally has a way to like make money and support himself and his siblings. And And they're they're like, like, no, "Mm, you were poor before. Yeah. We don't like that. You were too poor. You don't fit this job now. Sorry. It's just not going to work. So he began uh, renting a room and like, I think this by the time, you know, he's like an adult now. He starts renting a room for himself but he couldn't really pay rent, so in exchange for rent, he started sleeping with the elderly landla- landlady. Uh-oh. hmm In 1956 or 57, he emigrated to Australia with zero qualifications to do anything, but he was answering an ad for tram conductors in Melbourne. Melbourne. Like a train? Yeah, or a tram. You know, like a, maybe like a... A tram, 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 okay. tram, 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 like an inner city tram or something, you know, like a little like train a subway that goes thing, maybe like a light rail, something like that. Okay. That's what I'm picturing. Okay. Shortly after he arrived, though, he was convicted of two counts of larceny in Victoria wow. and a stealing charge in New South Wales, which I thought was larceny, but they've put stealing charge. I feel like maybe larceny is more. Maybe. Like Maybe a bigger it's like a certain steal? amount of money. I think so. In 1962, he was convicted on two counts of assaulting women in Melbourne. Fun. And sentenced to uh, five years probation. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Let's, uh, he'll definitely learn his lesson that way. And then he was also convicted of two counts of indecent assault, one count of assault accessioning actual bodily harm Mm -hmm. and four counts of larceny and for that he was sentenced to three to a three-year good behavior bond which is basically like you have to be really good for three years didn't he prove that he's not on good behavior (laughs) with all those charges Uh, what is with the lenient sentencing i don't know you physically assaulted Just stop being a naughty boy for three years, and then you're fine. Okay. Larceny aside, he physically (laughs) Uh assaulted Mm -hmm. multiple people, violently assaulted people. Uh, Just knock it off. Good behavior probation? Yeah. Promise us you're not going to hurt anyone. Even though you have, like, a criminal history since you were, like, ten just prom pinky promise. In 1965, he was convicted of being unlawfully on premises. So I'm guessing he was like someone had a restraining order or something. Mm-hmm. And he was jailed. <laughs> Not for assaulting someone, just for being on their premises. Look, property is more valuable than human beings. We all know well, that. I mean, 
So we all know that police are in charge of protecting property and not humans. So because property has more value, we all know well, it. You can actually get money from them, you know. That's right. During that time, a police officer actually noted in his file that he would probably become a serious sex offender. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this guy seems super dangerous, but you know, it's fine. He promised he was going to be on good behavior, so there's not yes. really much we can do That's here. Fine. Our hands yeah. are kind of tied. Mean, we could put him on the cleaning crew, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, uh, yeah, obviously he had weird relationships with older women throughout his life. Of yeah. course, starting with his mother. Yeah, he was kind of primed he, for that one. He also married a woman who had, I mean, I'm sorry, lady, but if anyone was a candidate to change their name, her name was Gay Rolls. Gay Rolls? Gay Rolls. Gay Rolls. <laughs> hmm. And Gay was a medical receptionist at a nursing home. Oh, no, Gay. And in 1968, that's when they got married, and they moved to Sydney and into her parents' house. Was Gay significantly older than him or her or his mm-hmm. age? I, I think they were around the same age. Interesting. Okay. He didn't get along with her mother, Essie. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, this she apparently... She play. She apparently... Got weird vibes from him? Probably, but she also <laughs> was, I mean... Probably a bit of a bitch because she disapproved of him because of his background of being from a lower class than her daughter. Oh, not because of the violent assaults? No, no. Just, you know. He's poor and icky. And also the fact that she, like, resented him from because he was living in her home. I mean... I feel like uh, he's probably throwing out weird vibes, too, though. Probably. I mean, yeah. How can you not? <laughs> well, and at this time, does he have, like, a job? Uh, I don't know. Because it mean, could maybe also be like, okay, he, well, my daughter's, like, working her butt off and living here, and you're like... He might be a pie salesman. Okay. Uh, John Wayne and Gay had two children, Kelly oh, and no. Marnie. Who were sent off to boarding school because as he said that like, he was like, well, I'm giving them what I should have been given. So he thought that he was doing them a favor Uh, so they can get a good education and all that stuff because he never had that. Okay. I get the education part, but also like, then they're also missing out on like parental affection and attention and okay. Then his mother moved from merry old England Uh to Australia Uh in 1976 and, you know, was probably just a real burden on him. But she shortly died of breast cancer. Maybe that's why she moved. Maybe. And then shortly after that, John Wayne was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. And it was said that because the breast cancer was a quote-unquote feminine disease. (laughs) Oh, yeah? That that compounded his feelings of hatred towards women. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Around the same time, he was afflicted with the woman disease. 
He also had some sort of prostate condition, which made him impotent. Okay, he's got a lot on his plate right now. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And around the same time, his mother-in-law was put into a nursing home, Mm -hmm. which gave him a legitimate reason to be at the nursing Mm, home. Access. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Not to mention his wife worked there. So he would often wander around from room to room under the pretense that he was, like, visiting his mother-in-law. Charming. And if he found a super old, frail woman alone in a room, he would just go in and touch her. What a shitty shit. He was an expert of sneaking into rooms and touching the women. Okay, I don't love the word expert there. (laughs) I mean, he did. He got away with it for years. Because also his thing was like, well, who would believe these old senile yeah. women anyway? Because, I mean, he got caught a couple times. They're and like, he's like the ultimate victim. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was just in here, like, pulling her covers up because she looked chilly. Yeah. And I offered her some pie. And now she's saying I'm, like, touching her. That's so predatory. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Before the killing started, he was a volunteer at the Senior Citizen Society. Oh, my God. And was considered amongst friends and family as a trustworthy man. I just feel like how are they not doing background checks to see that he has violently assaulted women in the past? And then you put him in a place where they're vulnerable. I guess there's just not many background checks back then. I mean, I guess if you're like volunteering, but. Yeah, I don't know. Ugh, I hate it. And like stated stated before, he worked as a pie salesman for 4 and 20 Pie Company. And, uh, so the weird thing is, um, there was no evidence that he had started killing before 1989. Mm -hmm. And in that year he was 56. Yeah. Which is kind of like a late start. Except for he had like all the access that he wanted for assaulting people. So maybe he just didn't need to murder at that point. Until something, like, triggered it later in life. Yeah, and apparently, um, so he was married for 20 years. Damn. And his wife never knew about his previous convictions. Somehow. Damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like, you know, he has to wear a sign. And unless (laughs) she's doing, like, paying for a background check. And it's, like, the 90s or 80s even. Yeah. So it's not like they have, like, a computer. You can do a quick, like, background check. And he's a pieman. And he's a a portly pieman. What could he be doing? (laughs) (laughs) What's he up to? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, you know, they catch him. And his trial begins on March 28th, 1990. John Wayne Glover pleaded not guilty to his crimes on the ground of diminished responsibility. How? Uh, He said that when he killed women, he was in a trance (laughs) and uh, that he, like, couldn't. I don't think that counts as diminished responsibility. Yeah, because he wasn't in his right mind. He said there were two John Waynes. The John Wayne that would, like, sell pie, and then the John Wayne that would kill women. Surprisingly, but, this is, like, a common defense strategy, and it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> wow. But, Surprise. 
go for it, I guess. His counsel tried to get the charges dropped down to manslaughter. How? <laughs> he didn't know. He didn't know any better. I just feel like I understand that you're a defense attorney. I get yeah, it. At yeah, the same time, job. this person is like a danger to society. Uh-huh. How are you not like, oh, we can plead this down to like life in prison? <laughs> I don't know. One of the psychiatrists for the defense said that he had built up hostility and aggression since childhood against his mother, who was promiscuous, and his mother-in-law, who disapproved of him, and who was also said to be a trigger to him. Yeah, I feel like that's for the prosecution. <laughs> yeah. That's just proof of like him doing it. No, because they were like, see, it's not his fault. It's diminished responsibility because, because he his was mom like, sucked. his mom was promiscuous, so obviously that's gonna fuck him up. Obviously, and this he and uh, all of his siblings, like, yeah, and murder. his mother-in-law was like mean to him. Yeah, she was like real be. She was rude. She was like, "Oh, you're poor," yeah. and then he was like. Now I have an excuse to murder. Now I have two personalities, and yes. one of them murders, and the other sells pies. So I don't know what yeah. you want from me. Clearly, Look, I'm the pie one. Sense. I'm the pie one. There's a big mis- misunderstanding. I don't know where the murderer one is. I'm the pie guy. Uh, when his mo- so they were like when his mother died, and and the mother-in-law died. That's when he decided it was time to take out his aggression on someone else. This is when he starts assaulting women or when he starts murdering women? Murdering. Well, I don't know. Unfortunately for him, though, John was determined to be sane at the time of the trial. Obviously. But the psychiatrist was like, oh, but he has a severe personality disorder. Okay, that's like the that's like (sighs) the thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. personality disorder does not equal diminished capacity. Mm -mm. No. But I feel like that's what gets argued, but it's not like you because still know they, what you're doing. Because they're trying to say like, oh, mental illness right. means diminished responsibility, but no. You still know exactly <laughs> what you're doing. No. Yeah. Right. A forensic psychiatrist, Rod Todd. Shut up. His real name is Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Rod Milton. Yeah. Milton. Said that in each of the murders, John had arranged the victim's clothing so that someone coming across them could look right up yeah. their dresses. Yes. He said he enjoys this because he is still expending energy and the murder is not complete until he carries out his sexual experience or examination. Right. The like prosti- clearly he's in his right mind. He's like posing them and staging the scene. Yeah. To get a shock for to get a response from yeah, someone else. Yeah, he's not, else. like, running away and not realizing what happened. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, oh, now I'm Pi John, and I just woke up to this dead body. I got to run. He's, like, staging shit and, yeah. like, taking his time. Yeah. And he knows the cleaning crew is coming, so he doesn't have to worry too much, but he sets it up how he wants it to. Yeah. The prosecutor claimed that John was well aware of his actions and that when he killed, he was planning on what to do with the money he would steal from his victims. What was he doing with the money? Um, I wrote it down here. So he was addicted to the poker machines. <laughs> oh, fun. Mm-hmm. So we got some addiction issues happening. So he was just going down. That's why he needed cash. Mm. Go play the poker machines. Uh, 
So, and he also took time between the killings to clean his hammer thoroughly with acid. So he kept the same one. Mm-hmm. Lovely. The prosecutor also brought up the fact that John was impotent, which I'm sure he loved. <laughs> really rubbed that one in. <laughs> and apparently had no interest in sex, which I don't think that that correlates. I don't Just think because that, you're impotent yeah, doesn't mean... I don't think but, that's medically true. Yeah, but they're, they were saying that so... It wasn't a sexual thing. I feel like when clearly he, it is, though. I think so, too. But they were saying that he's like he took assaulting, sexually assaulting women. How is it not? Yeah. I mean, I know it's not. I mean, I know it's like more like a violence and a power thing for sure. But also like what well, he's I guess doing. They were the point they were trying to drive home was him taking the pantyhose off the women and strangling them wasn't necessarily a sexual thing but it was to make sure that the victims were dead yeah but so it's it also like, a very degrading thing like i don't oh, think yeah. you needed to do that no i think sure. it was i mean i think that they were a little off by that but i think they just wanted to drive home the point that that he knew that the end goal was to kill them yeah and he made sure that they were dead oh, this is by a prosecution like off, yeah so they're like oh it's not airway. just his like weird mommy issues it's like yeah his exactly no violence. he was he planned it yeah. he was trying to kill them the goal was to end their life yeah <laughs> um and la, 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 la. yeah so then it took like no time for the court to decide that John was in fact guilty of the crimes yeah, he was accused of. Yeah. Justice Wood <laughs> said <laughs> said that they were dealing with an extremely dangerous individual. Yeah. He said, quote, he is able to choose when to attack and when to stay his hand. He is cunning and able to cover his tracks, which I don't know about that. I think the cleaning crew helped. Yeah, I think he got a lot of help. He got <laughs> Clearly, lucky. he got a lot of help. It is plain that he has chosen his moments carefully. Mm-hmm. Although the crimes have been opportunistic, he was not. He has not gone in where the risks were overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. The period since January of 1989 has been one of intense and serious crime involving extreme violence inflicted on elderly women accompanied by theft or robbery of their property. On any view, the prisoner has shown himself to be an exceedingly dangerous person, and that view was mirrored by the opinions of the psychiatrists who gave evidence at his trial. Yeah. I have no other alternative or I have no alternative other than to impose the maximum available sentence. Oh, you which mean means, not manslaughter or good behavior? <laughs> which means we're going to say, you be a good boy for six <laughs> promise. years. Promise. You're, you're going to behave. promise. Cross your heart. Hope to die. That's right. Don't cross your fingers. <laughs> no, they gave him the maximum sentence, which means that the prisoner will be required to spend the remainder of his natural life in prison. Good. Should have happened years ago, but okay. Right. It is inappropriate to uh, to impose any minimum term to be sentenced before release on parole. Having regard to those life sentences, this is not a case where the prisoner may ever be released pursuant to any court to any order of this court. So he's not going to get a good boy sentencing. Good. He had John, enough of those. 
John Wayne was imprisoned at Lithgow Prison, where he was held in maximum security cell. Um, a number of years after his conviction, he admitted that he never worried about who his victims were or why he killed them. He said he wanted to stop killing, but he couldn't. Right. After each murder, he apparently went about his life as normal. He became the pie man again. He was a pie man. Mm-hmm. The detectives were sure that there were probably more assaults and murders that John had committed, but uh, he refused he to say. said that. Yeah. And I guess like he refused to say anything about them. And then one of the main investigators on the case would come visit him and be like, all right, like, are you going to give up any more information? Yeah, and you're he not always... getting out of here. And he would just be like, well, what evidence do you have? Like, what information do you have? And then when he would be like, well, I don't, I don't have anything new. And then he'd be like, I don't have anything new to tell you either. Wow. At one point, he, like, drew some kind of map of a park and wrote, like, some cryptic numbers on mm-hmm. it. and But, like, wouldn't tell them what it meant. Mm-hmm. So they were like, he's got to have more victims out there that we don't know about. I just feel like that's such the tricky part, right? Because you don't want to give them, like, the attention and, like, the control to be like, tell us what you know. And they have, like, the control over that. And they can play with you. And they can make up a map. Like, who knows if that even meant anything. Yeah, exactly. But then there's, like, that part where you also, like, if people are missing their loved ones and they want to know where they are, it's, like, so tricky. What do you do? Uh, Yeah. Um, his wife, Gay, Gay Rolls, <laughs> I love it, and their children moved to New Zealand and never saw John again. Uh, Gay said, you? yeah, she said that he would be better off dead. Uh, yeah, he tried twice and failed, though, so mm. what are you going to do? Well, third time's a charm. Mm. In May of 2005, John collapsed in his cell and was placed on suicide watch after telling the guards that he had had enough and wanted to kill himself. He was examined by the mental health review team and closely monitored, but somehow, even though he's on suicide watch and closely being monitored, on September 10th of 2005, he was found dead in his cell at 72 years old. He had hung himself on a shower fitting in his cell. Okay, well, when he was being watched for murder, he somehow <laughs> was able to murder. So. They just aren't the most watchfully, watchfuliest. Yeah, watchfuliest. They have showers in their cells? Apparently. Interesting. I mean, clean people, you know. They're very clean very people. Very clean people. That's exactly <laughs> what <laughs> Like, clean up your own crime scenes. Yeah. Wow. So that's the information that I have on John Wayne Glover. <laughs> that's the information. <laughs> Those are the facts. Straight Those up. Those are mostly the facts that I found about this dick. <sighs> Shitty. Yeah. So. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. 
Toss well, I salad. think he's clearly a toss salad. Mm-hmm. He cried scrambled egg, but they usually do. They mm. like to cry. I mean, it's their last chance at getting like a slap on the wrist. I know, but that's just such like a not good defense. <laughs> it doesn't it ever doesn't, work. It, it doesn't, doesn't work. usually work. No, because no. it's usually very provable. Yeah. I think it's really hard to prove diminished responsibility unless yeah. you're like completely like out of your mind. Yes. And and I even don't know. that's like hard. Even to then, prove. yeah. How do you prove it? Yeah. But yeah, that th- those ones always make me think of that person who murdered his wife and claimed that it was because he was like sleepwalking or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I always think I always wonder about that one. Ooh. It's like, is that real? Or is, is that just a though? really good defense? I mean, people do weird things in their sleep I when they're know. sleepwalking. People drive. I know. People eat raw meat. They do all ki- they eat all kinds of stuff. It's weird. They do know. all kinds of stuff. So yeah, that makes me like It's a little believable, but I don't really remember yeah, the background of that story, so I don't I don't want to talk about that specific story, but I could believe that someone might murder in their sleep. I feel I like know. I could believe it too, because if you're having like a bad dream or something, I don't know. Yeah. It's just so weird that that part of some people's brains like doesn't well, especially work. If you're and like... then some work on like hyperdrive where you have like sleep paralysis and like night yeah. terrors. Oh, the brain well, a is lot so of those, weird. A lot of the weird ones happen with like Ambien and like the. Yeah. You know... Yeah, but it's also like a natural, like some people just have like a sleepwalking yeah. disorder. Yeah. Oh. I just feel like that. Fuck yeah, that guy. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Also, like, what the hell? Why weren't they letting people know what was happening like way earlier on? And for a police officer to be like, this is the thing that I that really bothers me. Like when people see, oh hey, this guy seems like a sexual predator or a potential serial killer. Like, why aren't there ways to intervene in that earlier on? Yeah. Yeah, it's a problem. I don't know what it's that a would big look problem. like, but yeah. I feel like that, like, if you see a warning sign, there should be something that you can do to kind of be like, let's either keep tabs on this person, let's put this person in some kind of like a program where they can well, kind of like, like too. Like a lot of the problem with things like, unfortunately, like sexual assault, where like a lot of times, it's the the perpetrator and the victim alone no witnesses and then it's a he said she said situation and then it's like you don't want to wrongfully put someone in, in jail but like also you know it's it's hard because like but how like do you why prove, yeah like how do you prove like stalking too it's like why yeah. is the victim the one that has to prove the case yeah. right yeah it's tough yeah um well, also, like, you also have to look at, I think, a lot of our court systems, I know here in the U.S., and I think probably Australia, too, knowing about their history, are based on, like, the British system, which is, like, uh-huh. very, very old system, and they just need to be, like, revamped because it's not working. <laughs> it's just not they working. Definitely need to be revamped. The one thing I will say is I really wish that they would bring back the powdered wigs. Yeah, where are our wigs at, yo? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this back. Is fun. It's hilarious and so entertaining, <laughs> and I just feel like it puts such like a lighter note on court cases <laughs> when they have to like get dressed up for it. You know, mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. you know, it's just fun. It's more fun so. when people get to dress up for things. I think I'm just gonna show up to uh, go watch a court case and wear a powdered wig. Be careful though; you might be mistaken for a barrister. They might call Ooh. you in. <laughs> 
I'm making like, all oh, the are you trying a, a case today? <laughs> <laughs> Come with like a briefcase and a wig. Yeah. You're like, oh yes, I just got freshly powdered. So oh, freshly powdered. Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm ready. I'm. Uh, what's it called? Justice. I'm Justice Gay Rolls. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's a very uh, respectable title. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> With your wig? I could see it. I could yeah, really yeah, see it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you want to be as clean as the Australians. Dude, let's all take a note out of the Australian book and wash up all the crime scenes. <laughs> no, don't no, wash no, up crime no, scenes. No. But if your face looks like a crime scene because it's dirty, get yourself some humble bee herbal facial soaps they have awesome soap get that mask knee off you got the little gross ingrown hairs and acne and shit from wearing the masks all day well you should try some humblebee herbal soap it will clean that shit right off and i'll have to say the for for someone who has like oily skin the mm. blemish be gone is amazing it's a charcoal bar and my skin breaks out still which is lots of fun because you know you'd think you reach a certain age and you wouldn't break out anymore but that's not the case uh so whenever my skin breaks out i just use that bar and it's like fucking night and day it's amazing i will say i have recently tried really the, the betox bar which is charcoal and cucumber aloe so it's a nice balance of drying and moisturizing to get those nasty whatever the hell is living in my pores out what? and then moisturizing afterwards <laughs> living uh -oh. oh yeah yeah all right yeah let's so, get some let's clean up our clean yourself up scenes. yeah clean up that facial crime scene and uh yeah Go ahead and buy yourself some stuff from Humblebee Herbal. Humblebeeherbal.com. Use code CRIMINY20 at checkout to get 20% off your first order. Check That's out Humble those facial B bars. Humblebeeherbal.com. Okay, so for mine, I got my information from link.springer.com mm. and medium. And like I said before, I don't know if we recorded that, but bear with me because this takes place in Poland. So <laughs> Okay, so it's going to be a lot of mispronunciations. Take that as you will. And then this one, so I'm just going to say I picked this because I thought it was something. And then as I and researched it, it, it turned out to be something else. And then I was like, well, That's, I already did like most of the work, happens. so we'll just keep going with it. Mm -hmm. So it may or may not be riveting. <laughs> mm. Okay, on December 10th, 2000. Three fishermen, who were also friends, friend fishermen, were oh. casting in a remote part of the Oder River. Oder. O D E R. Oder. Oder River. Oder. Sure. All right. <laughs> Oder. If you're putting on airs, river in Poland. Uh -huh. One of them noticed something floating by the shore. Uh. Expecting it to be a log of some kind. Yeah, that's what you hope. On closer examination, they noticed hair. Ooh, a hairy log. And the trio realized it was a dead body. Oh, not a hairy log. Not Dang. a hairy log at all. Dang. The three men then called the police, who recovered the body from the river, and the 
body was, they said it was tied up in like a backward cradle position. So like a noose was around his neck and then a rope was connecting the hands, which were tied behind his back. Okay. You get it? You can see it? Yeah, his hand is behind his back and he's got a noose on. So basically, if the victim moved at all, then the noose would tighten around his neck. Was it around his legs, too? They didn't say that. Mm. So I don't know. Because it sounded like he was kind of like hogtied or something. That's what I kind of thought originally, but then they didn't say. But in Poland, they call it cradle tied. Backward cradle. (laughs) Uh, The old backward cradle. As opposed to the forward cradle. I do like to be cradled backwards. So the post-mortem showed that the victim had been beaten up and starved before being released into the river. Uh, And they said that the reason for death could have been strangulation or drowning, which Uh, is Probably a little bit of both. The autopsy did clearly reveal that he was alive when he was dropped into the water. Uh, So he had water in his lungs. After days of starving. Ooh. Yeah. What is going on? The body only had a t-shirt and underwear on, so the victim had been stripped of his clothing before being thrown into the river. Mm. He was identified to be 35-year-old businessman Darius, I believe it's pronounced Darius, mm-hmm. Janiszewski, Janiszewski, mm. Janiszewski, who lived in the city of Roklaw, mm-hmm. Roklaw. 60 miles away. Uh, He was reported missing by his wife nearly four weeks earlier. Uh The last time he had been seen was on November 13th, leaving the office of the small advertisement firm that he owned. Sorry, what year did you say this was? 2000. Okay. So when he was last seen, he had left his office to meet with a customer Earlier that day, the client said he was interested in the advertising services, and he was like, hey, could we just, like, meet up and talk about, you know, what you could do for me? Uh The caller remained anonymous, and as it turned out later, he used a public phone located near the office. Uh Uh-oh. So I'm guessing, like, a payphone kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. According to witnesses, when the businessman left for the meeting, he met two individuals waiting for him outside the building, and they all left together. Hmm. It's like you already made it to my office. Why don't we just go up to my work Right? Like building. you think like it's professional like, enough to Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, we didn't have any coffee today, so let's just go <laughs> and, like grab some. I don't know. Uh-huh. And we're going to pick up some rope. Yeah, and, and we're going to pick no you up food. outside your office. Yeah, you're so right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Weird. Suspicious. The Polish police launched an investigation that, um, so they like combed the forest near the river for any now evidence. I'm just picturing uh, um, space balls. Space balls, and they're coming the, the desert. desert. <laughs> uh, and then they also sent scuba divers into the river looking for clues. Um, so they were also like exploring, you know, what the motive could have been, if it was like business rivals, financial debts, personal grudges, bad marriage, like anything, any written records of Mm -hmm. the ad agencies were looked at, family and friends and acquaintances were questioned, 
But, so just like looking under all the rocks. Right. But they found only that Darius was like a really, he's like a good person. He had an interest in music and he wasn't someone who would like pick a fight. He was like pretty chill dude. Hmm. And his marriage of eight years had largely been smooth with like a little bit of a period, like a little bit of a hiccup. Um, but they reconciled and they also made plans to adopt a child. So I feel like like typical okay. marriage, you know, you're going to have yeah. your ups and downs issues for sure. The police ran into dead ends everywhere they looked. Ew. The initial investigation found absolutely nothing. Right. And in mid 2001, the police closed the case due to an inability to find the perpetrator or perpetrators. They just closed the case. They were like, well, we did all the work we could. I guess he was just killed by squirrels. Case closed. There's case closed. Good, to go good job, team. Here. Let's go for a round of drinks. We did such a good job. We combed the forest. We combed mm. the river. We combed the people in his life. We didn't come yeah. up with anything. But now we have these awesome giant combs. Then, one and a half years later, Jacek... J-A-C-E-K. Jacek? Sure. Don't ask me. <laughs> Robluski was an investigator from the police in Roclaw. He conducted a routine review of unsolved murder cases. He was like, I think that's just something they periodically do is they go over them just to see if anything was overlooked. <laughs> and while he was doing that, he made some critical observations. Uh, the Just from opening the case file? Yeah, just from looking over the case. Oh, my God. I know. Well, good thing that case was solved. Yeah. Well, good thing he was on the case, the closed yeah. case. So mm-hmm. he noticed that the body of the victim had been tortured brutally, indicating a possible motive of revenge. Okay. The body was also found lacking clothing, and so there was an intention of humiliating the victim mm-hmm. as well. Right. The victim's credit cards were not used after the murder, so he didn't think that robbery was the motive so it was personal yeah it wasn't money he also noticed that a mobile phone that darius had with him on the day of his disappearance had not been found so Mm. that's where he was like i'm going to start this new investigation to find out what happened to that phone yeah the police decided to track the phone using its serial number and they were looking everywhere for this phone and it turns out that the uh, phone was still in use. Uh-oh. But by this time, it had been sold several times. Yeah. So they tracked down the phone, and it was sold on this Polish auction site called oh. Allegro. And apparently, it's, like, pretty prominent. So I think it's kind of like eBay for us. Okay. And it's pretty bold just selling it on a trackable site (laughs) yeah so it was sold on the 17th of november in 2000 which was just four days after darius disappeared the cell phone was initially sold by a user nicknamed chris b7 chris b7 (laughs) (laughs) wow they identified chris b7 as christian bala he was a traveler with an ma degree in philosophy and he was a writer and also a photographer and also a used phone salesman. <laughs> also, he just loved selling phones on eBay or Allegro. <laughs> so Jacek thought that it was not unlikely that someone who committed such a murder mm-hmm. would have left such a simple clue. 
So he assumed that Christian had probably acquired the phone from someone else because he was yeah. like, this, whoever committed this No way this, this dude's this stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but on investigating further into Bala, Jacek found out that he had since moved out of Poland and he worked on a novel called Amok. M-O-A-M-O-K. Amok. Right. But I think it means like amok, like in English. He amok. ran amok. Yeah, like like that, like amok. Uh, so the police couldn't interrogate Christian, obviously, because he's gone. And since 2001, he had been traveling abroad throughout Asia. So they were like, okay, well, we can't really, can't talk to him. So let's like see if there are any connections between him and Darius. So they looked into his background and learned about his blog called Amok, where he published fragments of his novel. And it was described as a postmodernist book. And it became part of the police's investigation. So it was later described by David Gran as sadistic, sadistic, pornographic, and creepy. Oh, charming. While its main protagonist, who at the same time narrates the novel, was characterized as a bored Polish intellectual who, when not musing about philosophy, is drinking and having sex with women. So he, like, wrote about himself. Basically. (laughs) Okay. And the guy's name was Crispy? Yeah, his name was Crispy. After reading Amok, which contained a brief description of a murder committed by the main character named Chris. Uh Uh-huh. So Chris killed his lover, Mary, and the police were like, huh, seems a little bit familiar. Mm -hmm. So he, so the investigators like read this book looking for like any clues or hints. They're like, Mm -hmm. maybe this will have something. This autobiography. Yeah. So the character Mm -hmm. murders one of his female lovers for no apparent reason and then wonders why he killed her. He commits mm. the murder by stabbing her with a Japanese knife. And so Chris then sells the knife on an internet auction site. Huh. Similar to what Christian did with the victim's Called phone. Malegra. <laughs> hmm So on further investigation... And going through the novel even more, there were other similarities that Jacek found between the char- fictitious character and <laughs> the MO, as well as the murder of Darius. So yeah. it was found that Christian had also visited an internet website looking for a police manual on various kinds of accidental, suicidal, and criminal hangings. Uh, it was in that manual that he probably learned about the specific way that he had tied Darius before dropping him into the river. So Christian was married to his childhood sweetheart against the will of his mother, who didn't think that she was good for him. Was her name Mary? (laughs) I don't think so. His wife was Stasia, who Mm. didn't really have much interest in academics or philosophy. Unlike Christian, who had gotten a full scholarship for a PhD in philosophy, but he dropped out because he couldn't make ends meet for his family. Mm-hmm. So he's like really intellectually driven and she's not. <laughs> he started a cleaning business and oh. he wasn't. He should have moved to Australia. He would have made a killing. <laughs> Literally. I mean, well, yeah, that's shouldn't have said that. <laughs> 
he so he wasn't a great businessman and he ended up spending all the money instead of investing it in the business which you know you should probably invest some of your money back into your business to keep it going yeah in the year 2000 he filed for bankruptcy and his marriage also broke apart his wife said it was because he was always having affairs oh she al- she was like always suspecting that he was having affairs with other women mm. so she was like this dude has problems with women and i'm out there were also witnesses who saw um that christian had like angry outbursts like he was very jealous he was a very jealous person that's like mm. typical you know right he's like mm. having i can all have what i want but you can't have can't anything have. Yeah. yeah so he saw her talking to another man on New Year's Eve in 2000 at a party. And then he had like this angry Uh-oh. outburst in front of a bunch of people at uh, that party. Uh. And then according to those stories, he was shouting to the man that he would get rid of him and that he had already done it once using a rope. Oh, <laughs> well. And then he, so after the divorce, he got sad. And left Poland for the U.S. and then Asia, where he started to work on his novel. Hmm. He's believed to have murdered Darius because his ex-wife had an affair with him and Ah. Christian knew about it. So the details of his novel and the theme also suggested that he had psychological issues and a different rebellious sort of feelings that he chose to express himself. I love that. Okay. Anyway, so the the book, like the main character, maybe had some psychological stuff happening, and since it seems kind of similar to him, mm-hmm. you know, like having affairs with women and talking about philosophy all the time, and like the main character having his name, and, uh, <laughs> he just really know. loves just the name weird. Chris. <laughs> so other similarities between Christian and Chris were alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. promiscuity like we said and a fascination Ooh. with philosophy like i also said and then <laughs> events in his life that were present in the book as well like chris liked traveling the world chris also went through a bankruptcy and i don't really know where this fits in but apparently both of them stole the statue of saint anthony from a church <laughs> which is a weird detail to add and well, I mean, that just, like, drives it home. Like, it's such a weird detail that it's, like, so you're writing about yourself. Right. And then this, like, weird obsession. Well, not weird obsession. This obsession with um, his ex-wife and Chris's ex-partner. Mm-hmm. So Christian became the prime suspect, obviously. Uh-huh. And police officers investigated him. Investigators asked professional forensic psychologists for the analysis of a muck to find similarities between Christian and Chris. The experts, though, said even though they have a lot in common, they're not the same, and you can't really compare like a made-up fictional character with like a real-life person. It's just not justifiable. Which yeah, I mean yeah, because it's not there's there's no like concrete evidence. It's just coincidences of like oh same name, similar things happening. I mean. It looks like an autobiography, but how do you prove that? Right. Kind of like O.J. Simpson's, like, if I did it or whatever he did. Mm-hmm. Was like, <laughs> if I did, not saying I did it. Not but saying that I murdered anyone, I but it. if I were to murder someone. 
while reconstructing a logical chain of events to prove that there were connections between Darius and Christian, the police traced a magnetic card used by the person who called the victim on the day of his disappearance. Ah. They discovered that this card was used over 30 times to call numbers belonging to Christian's <laughs> office, his parents, and his girlfriend. Okay. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> So he was first arrested and interrogated in September of 2005 when he came back to Poland after his stay abroad. Mm-hmm. He claimed that the police kidnapped him and uh, yes. he accused them of brutal treatment as uh. well as attempts to force him to confess. They were mean. They didn't even <laughs> offer me any pie. As a result, the internal police, the police had an internal investigation, which mm-hmm. I think is bullshit anyway, but they found that there was no evidence that he was telling the truth. They're like, we I mean, didn't uh, beat him up or anything. He's fine. Uh, yeah, they're investigating themselves. <laughs> always. It always goes. Yeah, right. It always goes that way. We looked. We couldn't find anything. We tried. Well. <laughs> During his first interrogation and later on, he claimed that he didn't know Darius and that he had never heard of him. <laughs> on one isolated occasion, hmm. though, he did change his statement and said that he killed Darius. Oh, oh! Well, I didn't know him. But then after this confession, he interrupted the interview by claiming that he didn't feel well. Oh, yeah. He's like, we well, need to take a break. I don't feel good. Well, that was the bad Christian that came out. And I'm the good Christian. And so, like, that wasn't I'm the me. Christian Christian. And yeah. that was, like, the non-Christian Christian. That was the whatever the opposite of, like, <laughs> I want to say that was the sane person. But... Because, I don't know, for me, it's just, like, the opposite of religion is sanity. That was the atheist Christian? No, because, I mean, I just, yeah. All right. When the questioning (laughs) started over, he withdrew his confession and refused to sign the affidavit. He's like, no, Mm -hmm. I didn't say that. Like, no. Never said it. You guys were just being mean to me, so I had to say something. Which does happen. (laughs) I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Definitely does happen. Look, I'm a creative writer. (laughs) See my book? It's creative writing. Check out my blog. (laughs) despite that even without the confession witnesses testimonies as well as the evidence were pretty good there was also um christian on christian's computer he had like he like looked up darius's company he had like information (laughs) about darius's company on his computer (laughs) i have no idea who he is what (laughs) Who's that? Oh, I was just like, it's just a coincidence that I was using the phone and the phone cards and I sold the phone and also on my computer. That's so weird. I don't even know who this guy is. I called him and looked him up, but I don't even know. It's so strange. Doesn't everyone call that company? (laughs) On the 22nd of February in 2007, Bala's case was brought to trial. During the criminal proceedings, the prosecutor's office presented 14 pieces of circumstantial evidence to indicate that he committed the crime. Mm-hmm. The court found that Christian was guilty of planning and leading the murder. Um, they said that he had committed it with unknown accomplices, but I don't really, hmm. I don't really know anything about that. He was well. I mean, I guess because, I mean, who said that there were two people? Yeah, like witnesses said there was like another person waiting with him. And if you're gonna like, I don't know, subdue a person and keep them by like themselves one place. and tie them up 
and starve them for days. Yeah, if you're keeping you might need an extra person. Yeah, unless you're like super jacked and the person's like a little old lady. Yeah, I just don't feel like he he likely is. You know, he's like I don't think so. Okay, anyway. So he was found guilty of luring the victim out of his office, imprisoning him for at least three days, during which time Darius was beaten and starved. And he was found guilty of binding, stunning, and throwing him into the river. Mm-hmm. On September 5th, 2007, the defendant was sentenced to 25 years in prison. On the 20th of December, 2007, the Court of Appeals remanded his case. And as a result new court of new court proceedings, he was once again sentenced to 25 years in prison. Okay. Then in May 2009... The Court of Appeal upheld the second verdict. So he just kept appealing, and they're yeah, like, yeah. no, bitch, mm. no. <laughs> but look at my second book. It totally says that this other guy did it. It says that I didn't do it. Chris didn't do it at all. Yeah, Crispy Seven was innocent. Crispy Seven's innocent. The whole time. So, so the case and trial of Christian are presently, they're like, seen. it seemed like as the most spectacular case in Polish history and both Poland and foreign media covered the court proceedings. So this is like their claim to true crime fame. Ultimately, Mm. the court decided that a muck would not be treated as evidence because the parallels between the book and reality were too vague. Mm -hmm. But the decision didn't stop the defendant from using his novel as a smokescreen during the trial. He consistently informed the media that the case against him was based predominantly on a fictional story. Mm-hmm. He claimed, for instance, that the police, while interrogated him, seemed to know the book by heart and that they were treating the book as if it was literally a autobiography rather than a piece of fiction. I mean, also the fact that the original police couldn't even come up with the fact that like, oh, he had a cell phone that wasn't discovered. Oh, look, an easily trackable site that this cell phone was sold. Like, what the hell is going on there? Well, I'm wondering, too. It's like 2000, though. So how many people had, like, cell phones? Maybe they didn't know that he had a cell phone. Uh, Wouldn't, can his wife be like, uh, yeah, he's missing his cell phone. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> they did everything. Uh-huh. We cl- case closed. We celebrated already. We can't go back. So Christian to this day presents himself as the innocent victim of oppressive police and justice systems and claims Mm. that he was convicted just because of his novel. Wow. So. Well, maybe he should watch what he writes. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Amok. So I said it's a postmodernist novel, which Mm -hmm. has a nonlinear plot and can be read in any order. Whoa. That's kind of fun. Besides this, the book contains a plethora of word games, metaphors, and rhetorical devices, which often make it difficult to understand. Uh Nonetheless, the amount of vulgar language, misogyny, perversion, and obscenity (laughs) included in the novel can surprise a reader even more than its atypical structure. (laughs) The vast majority perceive Amok as a hardcore pornography violence and chauvinism and offensive and scatological language as graphomania. Okay. The feeble attempt of a literary wannabe. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like it. Based on the novel. I'm going to put all these things that I learned into the book. (laughs) Based on the novel's literary literary quality, uh, its author 
So someone said that his author was a mediocre and inept artist. He became famous only because of the role which his book played in solving the real crime. Uh-huh. So not the best reviews. I mean, no. It literally sounds like someone just graduated with an English major and they were like, I know all these literary devices. I'm going to put them all in the book so that I look intelligent. Yeah. Also, it makes me think, too, when you have a book that's that out of order that can be read in any order, how do you have, like, a storyline? That is, like, a very um, ambitious goal in Mm -hmm. story writing. But, yeah, so I I thought I found this story because it was, like, oh, this, like, person like wrote a novel and it was like his confession or whatever. And then they were like, actually like, no, and I was like, I mean, oh. and I, I don't know. In a way, I think it is. I think like he was trying to be like, I don't know, like try and pull one over on everyone by being like, I'm so smart. I've got my master's in philosophy and I'm going to write this novel. No one's going to catch me and I can like brag about my crime without them knowing. And then I can just be like, well, it's a novel. It's made up. Yeah. I mean, the victims are different though. And well, yeah, I mean, he was smart enough to (laughs) change the name. I just love that the main detective was like, obviously, this guy wouldn't be dumb enough to sell this phone. I mean, he's gotten away with murder for like over a year now. And they like, they close the case like this is a Mm -hmm. cold case. Like, obviously, he wouldn't be that dumb. And they're like, oh, what now? Wait a minute. (laughs) This guy not only has like a blog and a novel about murder, but he also has that phone attached to him and the people he knows. Idiot. Yeah. I mean, not like like um, intelligence smart. I mean, getting a full ride yeah. scholarship for a PhD sure. program. Book smart. Sure. And philosophy, but not able to organize his thoughts in a way that makes sense. And Ugh. not able to get away just with murder. Arrogance. Yeah. Of like, I can say what I'm going to just put this out there. No one's going to catch me. Yeah. Well, and like, oh, my wife isn't like intellectually stimulating <laughs> She's boring, but I'm going to go, like, kill this guy that she's having an affair with, even though, like, I don't care about her because I'm having affairs with all these other people, but, like, yeah. fuck her and fuck him. Yeah, so. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg. A uh, tossed salad. Tossed salad, real. 100%. Yeah. Just real egotistical asshole yeah he thinks he's hot shit because he can write a novel yeah i mean the jury's still well, out of, on whether yeah. he can actually write a novel but he wrote things down and put it in a book and someone published it from what i read scatological pornography does not a novel make i mean there are like niches i'm sure well and i think you know some people probably like the book like as a cult classic or whatever but i just feel like I if mean, you're using that many literary devices to try and seem like cool but it doesn't make sense then it's like you failed i mean but how many people have bought 50 shades of gray which is like a toddler wrote it from the yes, excerpts that i've read but <laughs> i will say this for it it's probably at like a fifth grade reading level which a mm-hmm. lot of people in this country are at it mm-hmm. probably does not include any literary devices, so it's very easy to understand. <laughs> and it probably has, like, a very basic storyline, which is easy to follow. 
and very problematic scenarios. Well, that's beside the point. I'm just <laughs> saying that this guy like wrote a book that he was clearly trying True. to like, he like bit off more than he could chew with it all. And things like Fifty Shades of Grey are written for the most public public. <laughs> hmm Yikes. I mean, that one made a fortune writing a shitty book. That's the American dream, right? That guy is a tosser. Yeah. Did I use that right? Yeah, I believe tosser. so. Yeah. So we Gross. just heard two stories about shitty dudes. Disgusting. I hate it. If you want to wash that shitty feeling away, check out Humblebee Herbal's soaps this coming month. When does this come out? Next week. In October, they're going to have a happy Halloween soap, which it's like citrusy with just a hint of anise and it smells amazing. I love anise. I love anise as well. And it's also got a little bit of charcoal and turmeric, which are also really great for your skin. So try out their happy Halloween bar. And it will make your Halloween super happy. And clean. Ooh, let's clean up those crime scenes, y'all. Happy Halloween bar at humblebeherbal.com. Humblebeherbal.com. Code CRIMINY20 at checkout. Do Happy it. Happy Halloween. Ooh. <laughs> and now for the portion that we like to call CRIMINY6, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. So I have a Crime Any Sakes. Okay. And I got it from Manchester Evening News. Oh my God, we're so British today. Mm, mm, mm. Um, <laughs> police have issued a warning to shops over a concerning new viral trend involving baked beans. Oh my God, I'm so sick of these food trends. <laughs> They're so wasteful and disturbing. Like... Talk about uh, privilege. Uh, shops have been urged to look out for children buying large quantities of tinned children. goods okay. while parents are being encouraged to check their cupboards. For tinned it comes, goods? It comes after, quote, beaning. <laughs> <laughs> A bizarre new trend <laughs> took off on social video sharing app TikTok. Oh. Beaning involves children (laughs) smearing baked beans onto people's driveways, doors, and cars, and of course, filming it. Where's the clean neighborhood cleanup crew? Let's get those beans cleaned up. This is in England. We gotta. If you're in Australia, that's why it's not happening in Australia because they bean and then they're clean. clean. It's not fun anymore. Clean the beans. It's not fun. Numerous videos have been posted on social media with the hashtag Bean Bandits. The messy craze, which is also potentially harmful to dogs, has prompted West Yorkshire police to issue a warning to retailers and parents. Dogs can't eat beans? I don't know. Uh, Michelle Owens, who is someone, said, (laughs) (laughs) It has come to the attention of the police that a new trend has started by groups of youths called beaning. (laughs) This involves youths throwing the contents of a can of beans over properties very similar to the trend of throwing eggs at properties very if you similar. work 
<laughs> if you work in a shop, please, can you be aware of youths buying large quantities beans. of baked beans? <laughs> oh, my God. If you have children living in home, living at home, please be mindful if you see them removing cans of beans from the family home. <laughs> Question them immediately. Last month, Surrey police launched an appeal after the village of <laughs> Warner Warnersh was terrorized by so-called bean bandits. <laughs> In one picture, four empty cans could be seen discarded near a doorstep studded with little orange beans. What? They don't even Another- recycle their cans? <laughs> Another showed a gray car with sauce dripping down the driver's window, leaving an unsightly orange smudge. What are these orange beans? I don't know. Apparently, their baked beans are orange. What are they putting in them? I don't know. But anyway, beware of the bean bandits. Okay, I... Okay, this is, like, one of the reasons why social media sucks so badly. How is this something that caught on? Like, this is so stupid. (laughs) Made me laugh. Yeah, it's hilarious, but it's also like multiple people are doing this. It's so fucking stupid. They are stupid. going beaning. Look out for children buying bunches of beans. You're going to have to be 18 or older to buy beans now in England. <laughs> That's just the way it is. If you want to buy tinned is. goods, you got to be old enough to accept you know, the responsibility. At least hooligans- recycle the cans. <laughs> Come on. No, there's hooligans are going out beaning and throwing the cans willy-nilly. Young. To be beaning yeah. because they're if not you recycling. Can't handle your beans. Yeah. You know. Don't handle your beans. Just don't handle. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. Ugh, TikTok is so stupid. You're going around the food beaning. Things are so stupid. Mm-hmm. Or like the one that was going on for a while where people were like opening a gallon of milk and like pouring it on themselves, or like just dumping it on the ground of a grocery store. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Are people, like, licking ice cream and then putting the lid back yeah, on? Ew. Like, what the fuck? You're the Gross. reason why we have to have so much plastic covering everything. Ugh. I'm so fucking sick of it. All these kids Stop and their beaning. beans. They're bean bandits. Jesus Christ. Those youngins and their beans. Just don't sell them anything. <laughs> you know, just keep them in a cage until they're, they're 20 years old and then Give them one them bean out. at a time and make sure they eat it. Yep. Baby bird ration, those beans. Ration you baby your beans. Ration and baby bird them to your That's kids. Right. So they're pre-chewed. Yes, one at a time. One at a time, yeah. Make them mm-hmm. open their mouths so you can see they ate it. Yep. Lift the tongue, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Bean. Well, I have one more, um, <laughs> which is a, I would say, like, a great, th- so. Uh-oh. No, no. Oh. It's a... I don't know how to say. I don't know how to. What I what I want to say yeah, is say I want it. to end this episode on a good note. Yes. So I want to tell this story okay. that I got from ten tv dot com. An eighty three year old woman who had fallen down a ravine in England <gasps> was rescued thanks to her cat. <gasps> According to Bodmin police, they were searching for the woman who was reported missing Saturday. A passerby spotted the cat named Pirin meowing loudly, which alerted them to the woman. Police said the woman had fallen approximately 70 feet down a steep embankment uh, with uneven terrain. According to the BBC News, 
an eyewitness said that the key to finding the woman was Piran's quite persistent meowing. Oh my god. The, the woman was hoisted on a stretcher and taken to the hospital in an air ambulance. She is in stable condition, according to the BBC News. In Did a they post take the cat with her? <laughs> I mean I'm sure the cat had to stay home. I don't like, think cats are allowed at the hospital. Man, good luck like feeding yourself now that your mom's gone <laughs> at the hospital. In a post, the Bodmin police said that Pirin the cat saved the day. Oh, We've also managed to obtain a photo of the hero himself, oh. the department added, sharing a photo of the black cat. <gasps> so, oh my god, I love black cats. Oh, yeah. what a hero. So, if you think that only dogs can play Lassie, you're wrong. Oh, oh I love a cat. <laughs> Such love a, a cat. Yep. Wow. That was amazing. So, we heard a lot note, of terrible things today, but the fact but get that yourself cats a cat. rescue people, it's amazing. You know, I'm sure she rescued the cat and the cat rescued her. Oh my God, we're saving each other. So everyone should be a little bit more like Pierre and the cat. Yeah, let's all be a little, uh, what would it be called? Alarm. <laughs> What's it called? Helpful. <laughs> rescue system. Let's all join the Rescue Aid Society Look, as mice in clothing. Say something, and that's yes. all I'm going to say. Yes. Unless I see something, and then I will say something. You do. I love you know. that they check. Like I love that the cat was like persistently meowing enough that they actually went and checked to see what yeah. he was They're talking like, what about. What is happening? This yeah. cat is like losing his shit. Oh, I love it so much. Okay. Good kitty. Good job, Pierin. So, wash yourself up with humblebee herbals. Uh, Wash yourself up with Humblebee Herbal products. Use code CRIMINY20 at checkout to get awesome bathing supplies. <laughs> That's humblebeeherbal.com. Don't forget to uh, rescue a cat or a dog, and uh, maybe they will rescue you one day. And if you already have rescued a cat or a dog, just give them all the love you can. They deserve yeah. it. Because maybe one day you're going to need their help. Yeah, we all need a peer in. Yeah. Aww. Good kitty. So good. <sighs> All right. Well, All right. thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you have any, if you need to reach out to us, you can get us at crimeanypodcast at gmail.com. You won't get us. If but you're you can having an emergency, call the police. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the jury's out on that. But well, call for your cat. The cat will alert someone. The cat will call for the police. Uh, and yeah, have a safe rest of your week. And we will speak at you in two weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Is he shuffling plates? <laughs>